0: Today's episode of Bitter Units is brought to you in part by the American Homebrewers Association. The AHA has a host of benefits for joining, including discounts at over 2,500 beer businesses like breweries, bars, restaurants, and homebrew supply shops in the U.S. and worldwide. You'll also get access to discounts on many brewing publications, award-winning homebrew recipes, and expert advice. Go to BitterUnits.com to
1: learn more. This podcast contains material that is intended for mature
2: audiences and may not be suitable for all listeners. Enjoy! You know, I guess if they want to send our little old podcast a nasty gram, we'll apologize later.
3: <laughs> so. It's easier to ask for forgiveness and seek permission.
2: Welcome back to the latest edition of Bitter Units, a podcast of the Tailgate Society, thetailgatesociety.com. Sponsored proudly by Deadeye Barbecue Sauce and the American Home Brewers Association. We have our very first repeat guest with us tonight. Um, and that is, if you remember from way back, uh, the. Man from Deschutes that gave us all the good breaking news the last time he was here, uh, Mr. Neil Stewart. Uh, We also have a second guest, and Tim will tie the two together of why they're here together for us. But, Tim, tell us about our other guest.
0: Yeah, tonight we are really lucky to be joined by Mr. Michael Wagner, uh, head brewer of Steel Toe Brewing here in in St. Louis Park, uh, Minnesota. Just... (laughs) A stone's throw away from my place. Uh, He is a good friend of mine. He is also, however, unfortunately, a West Virginia man. So, yeah! Whoa, how did we (laughs) tie that? But Michael and I tailgated together uh, down in Ames for the Iowa State West Virginia game back in 2018 when we ruined Will Greer's Heisman chances in one single game <laughs> yeah. uh, and I was sick as a dog. So I left Michael to commiserate all by himself in the hotel bar after the game too. But, uh, um, yeah, Michael, welcome.
1: Yeah. Thanks for having me. Your, your, fa- your fans were a pleasure. They were really nice in the hotel bar where I was drowning my sorrows in whiskey. And, uh, they were buying me drinks, and it, it was a pleasure to hang out with them, even though it had been a really terrible game. And uh, but it was it was still fun. I, I enjoyed the experience down there in Ames. I can't uh, I couldn't complain too much, but that was a real poor showing there a couple years ago. Really poor showing. So I only hope that we can return the favor here tomorrow. So you
0: know. <laughs> Yeah, so yeah, so
1: so
2: if 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 y'all have been listening, and you remember Neil is also a West Virginia grad, but yours was grad school, if I remember right. Correct, Neil? Yep. So well, this I,
4: is. Was that before or after we beat the, the University of Texas down in Austin when Will ran it in like with ten seconds left? I think it was, I think that was before.
1: Yeah, it was the Texas game was later in the season that year. I yeah. think. Yeah. Because they they ended the season on a high note, right? But they were coming into that Iowa State game. I think we were ranked top five. We were ranked pretty high, and yeah. then that basically dashed all hopes of a really good season. But they didn't. End they ended up ending on a pretty high note. But yeah, yeah, that that was a that was a mess of a game down there, in Ames. It was. I mean, you know, it, Ames, Iowa is kind of like
4: Pullman, Washington. You know, it's like weird things happen there. You know, like just spooky stuff like do you guys like are there like you know kind of like is there like voodoo stuff going on in ames iowa you know with like with the stadium what is it jack stadium
0: it's uh it's it's all the bush light being consumed there <laughs> I, the uh the comparison to pullman was very very apt Yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> just an air of bush light you got you guys showing Showed up for that game. I mean, uh, I, I was super impressed with your uh, with the atmosphere. Um, and I had been down to a game there before a number of years earlier, but I was impressed that night. You, you guys showed up. Fans showed up. Team showed up. It was a. Uh, it was an atmosphere that was difficult to win in, no matter who you were. But uh, it, it, yeah, was it was one of
0: the, yeah, it was one of the loudest I've ever heard. Jack Trice, and you could really just feel the entire. St- stadium moving and breathing with everything because everyone was so active and vocal and the, everything was just shaking it was fantastic
1: yeah it reminded me a lot of of morgantown like the feeling of being at at a uh, uh, mountaineer field it was very similar stadium very similar size i think mountaineer fields maybe a little bit bigger but they they look very similar very similar atmosphere it was it, it, it was uh yeah you, you guys showed up it was fun our, our stadium is bigger
4: I, I will say that let's let's just establish that <laughs> oh, yeah. Mountaineer Field is bigger.
2: Wait, are you sure?
4: <laughs> uh, I, I'm pretty sure. Yeah. How many people? How many
2: people does your hold How does Mountaineer
0: Stadium hold?
4: Sixty-five. What? Yeah, yeah. Like Jack Trice is only like what forty-two or something?
0: Sixty-one.
4: Oh, we're gonna
2: Google this. Sixty-sixty-one-five. <laughs> I, I think
4: they were. Yeah, they, yeah. We're
0: sixty-one-five. What do you mean? Forty-two. Yeah, right Get out of here. <laughs> This isn't the gopher? The sad
1: this thing about Mountaineer pocket. Field is that they've right. actually made it smaller over the years. They've taken some seats away.
2: That's because uh, nobody wants to watch that trash. <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh, they just added more luxury boxes. <laughs>
4: Elon Pushkar Stadium is 60. You're 61.5. Ah. You
2: know, uh, I, I, wanna, uh, I actually want to so, say so, so.
1: We've so we've established the facts here. Mountaineer Field is is larger, right? Sixty thousand is more than 61.5. We we can establish <laughs> that as a fact, yeah. right? We're we're talking in facts.
3: Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I, I want to sounds say like this. someone's counting votes in the presidential election. <laughs>
1: <laughs> hey, we got to. Start this thing off right, you know? And exactly. Start, start and if there's the, the one state
3: s- that knows how to screw up a caucus, it's Iowa this past year.
4: <laughs> I, I guess one thing that we can all agree upon is that the Big 12 is the best conference for football. SEC, way overrated. Yep. I mean, going in to play a game at, uh, you know, in Lexington, Lexington, Kentucky, not all that intimidating.
2: No. No. no, no. But
4: Lawrence, Kansas, is <laughs> that's right. He <laughs> just wants to keep the hell out the minute he. Are
2: they? Still, there. I wonder if Kansas is the only uh, the only field that still has a track around it. Might be. Yeah, and that's it's wow. in like
1: yeah, FBS. It's got to be the only one in FBS for sure. I was <laughs> the say you yeah,
2: Power Five
1: for sure. Yeah, right? yeah.
3: I'm in an FCS conference, and we don't see that that often.
0: <laughs> uh, it's 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 goofy you know uh in, in my other podcast when we were talking to a couple former iowa state football players we asked them what their least favorite stadium was and they did not come up with with uh ku i was surprised by that oh huh, really yeah uh, I, th- I think mostly just because they went there and won and didn't really care but uh um yeah, I no, it's certainly I have been there. It it's a it's an experience, I guess. It's not necessarily anything that I need to go back and do again, but I don't
3: know. Going to going to jail and getting arrested is an experience too. So,
0: yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't mean you have to do it.
1: Exactly. You're talking about like tears tier, of experiences here.
3: Yeah. <laughs> you can go to jail or you can go to a Kansas football game, it's your choice.
4: Uh, I'll just spend the night here. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, is it is it legal for us to talk basketball now too? I mean, no, nope. should be season season's underway. Yeah. yeah, I think I put out a big claim last time I was on the show. I said that West Virginia was a Final Four team this season. I'm sticking by that. By the way,
1: I'm sticking be. by it too. I, I was I was really disappointed with the Gonzaga game. I think we matched up really well. I think yeah. that uh, I I think that there was. There, there was one or two scenarios where we should have won that game. And uh, I, I, think that's, I think they're going to have a really strong team this year for sure. Yeah. I love this team. Yeah.
2: I really considered uh, having Anya surprise drop in on you for that Zags game the other
1: into <laughs> this podcast.
2: I was like, get our extra special guest Anya <laughs> Really throw a curveball at you. Oh, that would have been good.
3: Did you guys see Detroit Mercy took uh, Michigan State to the end? Oh, did they? It was like a four-point like four game in the last closing minutes. Like, it, was, it was insane. Detroit Mercy actually had a lead at half, and then Michigan State hit like 67% in the second half to win by like six. But yeah, how do you know where Detroit Mercy is? I mean, that, I, if you told me Detroit Mercy, I would have figured that would be like a WNBA team.
2: Well, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna guess it's I'm in Detroit.
1: See, yeah. yeah, some some uh, Catholic school in Detroit. Yeah, sounds uh, like guess, a Catholic high school. It might be a Catholic high school. Some of them are better than colleges.
2: It's a hospital rec league team.
1: Yeah, <laughs> Dick Vitale coached there in the late '70s. <clears throat> oh, really? There's
0: a, there's, a uh, there's there's a Pittsburgh State in in kansas though so yes there you is know, you, you never know and a miami in ohio so and Detroit there's a Mercy sign, for all we know is in florida
3: and there's a sign for mexico in kansas as well or maybe that's missouri that's
0: missouri, missouri. missouri.
3: missouri. I, used
2: yeah. to live, I used to live just outside of there okay but uh there's yeah there's
1: a cairo in illinois
2: yes there is
0: we
1: uh you know, freshies is still tasting pretty darn good nice i'm enjoying the size seven
0: yeah oh yeah oh yeah so yeah this is actually a beer podcast (laughs) i know the last 10 minutes may not seem like that but this is technically a, a beer podcast um michael we should probably ask you about that uh why don't you tell us a little bit about steel toe
1: sure um so, uh, yeah, like beginning steel toe, uh, we're in our 10th year, uh, here, in Minneapolis suburb, of St. Louis park, uh, Jason Shoneman, who, uh, he's the owner founder. Uh, he is uh Pelican alum, uh, out in Pacific city, Oregon. So yep. a lot of, a lot of the influence coming into steel toe, he worked at, a, uh, uh, a couple breweries before that as well. But, uh, you know, the influence of the origins of Steel Toast certainly come out of, out of Pelican, out of that kind of craftsmanship for high-quality beer. Um, he, he was with Darren Welsh out there. Um, so, you know, things like Size 7, you know, that specific beer, you know, it certainly is influenced by the Pacific Northwest, you know, it's classic West Coast IPA. Uh, it's dry, it's bitter, but it has a really nice backbone of, of malt. It's kind of quintessential, you know, low finishing gravity, big, you know, citrusy hops, orangey character. Um, you know, it's just, it, it's exactly what you want if you want kind of classic IPA that's like post, post-90s IPA. You know, it's it's not a malt bomb, it doesn't have a bunch of c60 in it and it's not super caramely um but it's just a really nice clean malt backbone that supports a really kind of big bright onslaught of citrusy hops so but steel toe yeah i mean we go back we're 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 kind of the we bridge the gap with the classics and we're definitely a brewery that is founded in tradition uh you know we do a lot of things the old school way uh oftentimes we say it's the it's not the easy way um but we do it you know the way that we think is best uh we're a small brewery but i mean we're not tiny i mean we'll we'll produce well on this year i don't know our numbers are kind of all over the place obviously with pandemic but um but production wise we're around four thousand barrels um we have a canning line obviously you guys got some some cans there uh uh, but yeah i mean we we kind of st- we straddle that line between classic and new and try to try to stay stay ahead of what's going on try to pay attention to what's going on but we're not not trying to ride any trend trains you know we're not trying to create the new haze bro you know we're, we're trying to do what we do do it really well create some new things along the way you know do some really delicious pilsners and you know, export stout and, and a lot of IPAs. I mean, it's obviously what sells. So we do a lot of IPAs, but yeah, I mean, Steel Toe is just kind of the. We, we like to consider ourselves. You know, we're not like blue collar. It's not like a blue collar white collar thing. But the Steel Toe is definitely. You know, we're a hard-working brewery. We have a small crew. Uh, we put in a hard day's work. We enjoy good beer, um, but uh, you know, we 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 put in hard work. I mean, we, uh, and I think we do things in a. In a really solid way, we all have a good beer education. Jason went to Siebel, I went to the American Brewers Guild. You know, we have a, a good education in beer. I've been through BJCP. I did Cicerone C- stuff back uh, back in I don't know eight nine years ago. So yeah, it's pretty crazy. It's it's been a fun time. I've been at Steeltow six years. Um, I came out. I've been in the beer industry about twelve years. Uh, I came out through the retail side and did a bunch of that. Kind of BJCP stuff that I was talking about, and then then went to brewing school, and then got into brewing, home brewer for I don't know maybe fifteen years or so, early two thousands after college. Um, so yeah, I don't. I mean that's a, that's kind of a, a quick rundown. You know, we have a little tap room, and we're just trying to get through this year and do the best we can and, and make excellent beer. You know, it's, it's kind of what we do.
0: Yeah, you know, one of the things that I appreciated, you know, early on, there were a couple of things when when Jason kind of first launched this whole thing, one was just how much of a like a DIY type of person he is, right? Um he's going to find a way to to solve a problem really kinda with, with his knowledge type of thing. And I think he, he is kind of brought that ethos to what you guys do just in and who he's brought on, who who you guys uh have on your team and the way that, you know, like you said hard-working um the other thing i would say that i really admired about jason was being very deliberate right so you guys didn't jump into cans right away uh you guys have been very clear about uh, not growing too much too fast too broad any of those things just trying to be really good at what you do uh, you're still all self distributing, right?
1: Yep. Yeah. I mean, all, all those things you said are are very true. We we um, yeah we we still self we self distribute everything. Uh, I mean, we have a, we have a crew of five people, including Jason, that do all work production, all seller centrifuging, all packaging, uh, all production management, all that stuff, and deliveries. That's five people. Um, so I mean, we, we bang it out, you know, we, we do, uh, we do a lot of work, but you know, we're rewarded well for it. The, the ethos is definitely like you said, I mean, Jason is definitely a do it yourself. Um, you know, if we're able to do it, we will do it ourselves. Um, you know, we'll, we'll weld and build and, and engineer and, you know, make things work the way that we need them to work. Um, yeah, we, I mean, we got into cans about, three and a half years ago. So, I mean, we were, you know, five years in, six years into the brewery before we got into cans. Um, The good thing about that was that we were able to really buy a whole system. I mean, from the depalletizer the whole way through and really kind of engineer that so that it was highly efficient uh, instead of kind of piecing it together over the course of years or trying to, you know, do it from the beginning and just have a filler and do everything by hand. You know, we did it, we had, You know, we were able to invest in it. We got everything that we needed to do date codes and short fills and pack tech and, you know, get ourselves a product that looked really good and, um, you know, coming out of the end and to do it really efficiently. Um, so yeah, I mean, the, the things you hit on them are definitely the, the, uh, you know, the, the steel toe ethos is definitely to work hard and do things the right way and get it done and, uh, and then have a beer you know, at the end, at the end of the day, but during the day we're busting our ass and, and you know, doing everything that needs to do to get done. So.
0: And make fantastic beer along the way.
1: Yeah. I, I mean, that's the goal. Yeah. We've we, no. we, we always said the, the beer should speak for itself. You know, we're not, we're not trying, we're, we're not, we're not really good at marketing. We're not hyping anything up. You know, we're not, we're not trying to like create the next thing that people are going to, you know, that has cookies and milkshakes and stuff in it. Um, You know, we don't have a fanboy following. So, you know, what we do is we make really excellent beer and kind of fall back on that as our, our, like, that's what we fall back on. You know, we we make really excellent, high quality, consistent beer, you know, batch to batch. Size 7 should be excellent every time. And, you know, we build on those processes and that's that's part, you know, it, it all falls back to that. Everything else will fall into its place. You know, the tap room, the marketing, the branding, all of that we do and we work on and you know but it's uh, it'll it'll fall into place as long as the beer is excellent. If the beer's excellent, everything else is fine. You know, it'll, it'll work out. So
0: yeah, you guys are definitely um a brewers brewery, you know. It we talk about not being big with the hype boys uh, yeah. uh the Hayes bros and all of that. And, and I I get that, but you know, I can look around town at all the breweries. I, how many how many breweries do we have in the Twin Cities now? Michael, do you have any idea?
1: In the metro, probably, I don't know, 60, maybe I, more. Yeah, I don't, we yeah, have 100 and 100 I think we have about 200, 220 in the state. So maybe, there's probably more than there. There's probably 80 or 90 in the, in the metro. Um, yeah,
0: yeah, I mean, every day people are asking me about a brewery, Jesus. I'm like, I didn't even know that existed. <laughs> like, like, we've no, just exploded. Sure.
1: There's, there's breweries that are like you know, within a couple of miles of my house that I have no idea, you know, exist, you know, they just, they exist at almost in a vacuum or the, or they're like, you know, they're brand new or or they've been around for a couple of years and I still don't know them, you know, it's just, yeah, there's a lot.
0: Yeah. There's, there's, there's one that's supposed to be going in at like kind of over at like that 46 and, and like, not really France, but kind of.
1: Yeah. 44th and Abbott. Yeah. It's put oh. like a brew pub or something. It's like, yeah, right
0: there. yeah, yeah. So I
1: have no idea. You know, it's it's like, it's like, uh, I don't know. It's like seven blocks of my house. I have no idea.
0: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I know. I just say when this is all over, we would, in theory, if that thing ever opens up, you and I could, could both just walk there and, and, and meet up. Yeah.
1: it's probably, in, it's probably perfectly in between actually.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, but yeah, I mean, you know, when I think about you guys, uh, you know, to, Again, there's just a handful of breweries out of that 200 or you know 100 around here uh, that I think of as you know, you know they're making beer uh, that brewers love, right? Um, you know, I, I I think of you know guys like Bad Weather and what Andy's doing over there, um, where you know again not not too big. Not too broad, but trying to do things the right way, trying to do tradition. I mean, boy, some of his mass schedules just scare the hell out of me. <laughs> yeah,
1: that dude, I don't man. His mass schedules on some of those loggers and and things that he's doing are uh, yeah. I, I, it kind of boggles my mind. Just, I mean, our setup is not really capable of some of the stuff he's doing. But it's uh, yeah, it's funny to think about or fun to think about yeah absolutely yeah.
0: but you know it's just there's just a handful of breweries around town that that i kind of uh have a, a special kind of respect for uh because you're not doing gimmicks or you're not trying to do too much you're just making beer that that is awesome so um man it, i so, I can't believe it took this long to get you on honestly
1: no it's all good i appreciate it it's fun it's uh i would say that you know i i, and I think i kind of mentioned it before like we're always kind of always kind of riding that line you know we're definitely a brewer's brewery i mean we're brewers brewers I mean, we're the type of guys that are you know we're, we're educated in beer our background is in is in quality and you know so i mean we we brew beer for people who are critical of it as brewers you know so we mm-hmm. want you know brewers to come in and be like oh this beer is excellent it's really well brewed you know i can i can tell that the craft of what you're doing you know that that you're that you have processes in place that you're making beer that that's really high quality and that you know that's what we that's what we strive for you know, and we're always trying to, we're trying to ride that line, you know, I mean, everybody's trying to ride that line. I mean, you know, we're trying to appease, you know, a, a changing consumer base while mm-hmm. still maintaining a really solid, you know, consistent fan base who are people who, you know, expect what we do to be a certain thing. And, you know, we're con- constantly having these internal discussions about like, what, what is steel Tone? how How do we brew like this beer, but do it in a steel toe way, or how do we, like, what do people really want? You know, what is the flavor that they're looking for? What is the, you know, are they looking for lower ABV, lower bitterness? Are they looking for, you know, what are the things they're looking for and how do we come up with something that's new? You know, I, I've, I've always said that I don't want to follow trends. Yeah, you know, I, I don't want to jump into a trend and like be, be the next of the thousand people who are already doing it. You know, I I think that's that it's kind of a pointless endeavor. You know, you just end up you know, running up a hill to fall off the other side of it. So it's you know, I think that we're trying to stay true to what we are and but still ride that line and be aware of what people want, you know, be aware of changing consumer tastes. I mean I mean who would have thought I mean, three, four years ago, who would have thought that such a significant shift in consumer taste would have shifted people not only away from beer, but to basically carbonated vodka soda, you know, which is yeah. like, you know, these like sparkling, you know, like it, it it's had such a ridiculous shift in the alcohol market that it certain, you know, it affects breweries, it affects, you know, uh, liquor producers, it produces, you know, wine producers, you know, the, the seltzer market is, is insane. But four years ago, I mean, it's like it was a blip and, yeah. you know, now it's, you know, now it's millions of, of barrels of production, you know, by everyone, you know, so it's, there's these constant trends, there's constant overall trends, there's constant like little micro fads and trends that are happening. And, you know, we're just trying to find our place in that, stay true to who we are and and do the best we can and make high quality beer. So, you know, it's really, it's really all we're trying to do. Yeah, that, that... It's, it's not, it's not, it's not rocket science when it comes down to it. You know, we're just trying to really make excellent beer and, if we can keep doing that, I think we'll be okay.
0: So uh, you bring up an interesting point about the seltzer because, yeah, I was certainly someone who, you know, three years ago when it first started to come up, I was saying, you know, well, yeah, we saw this before with FMBs and and those kind of had their their day in the sun and then they moved on and I kind of felt like this was going to do the same thing Uh, and then, you know, a year or two later, I'm like, oh, no, this is not, this is not that type of thing. This is a, you know, continually growing I don't know for how long it's here to stay but it's definitely had a lot more staying power than than I ever expected uh Neil how how is the shoots looking at at that seltzers yeah
4: yeah you know we uh I I would say uh 12 months ago it was something that we were looking at We, we launched a uh a brand called modified theory that was kind of this like Offset or, or, or offshoot of uh, of of FMBs and uh, COVID really disrupted the launch launch of that, and since then we've like reeled it in and we've said, you know what, we're a brewery, we're going to brew beer, and that's what we're going to be good at. And um, you know, the, the thing is that it's really difficult to uh, to launch a brand in the age of COVID because. You know, not only are consumers uh, kind of reverting back to what they trust and what they know, but retailers are doing the same thing. Mm-hmm. Distributors are doing the same thing. So, uh, you know, there are a ton of craft breweries out there that are launching seltzers, and and honestly, I, I wish them the best of of luck in that. I think it's a really tough road to navigate, um, and and that's why at Deschutes we've decided you know what, uh, IPAs are still what we're really good at. You know, bre- brewing Black mute Porter, we're really good at that. We're going to focus on that. We're just going to be good at our core competency.
0: You, uh, you also bring up that, you know, people are kind of going back to what they know. And, you know, I think some of that is a, a function of because the liquor store sales are a larger portion of that pie now than they have been for, uh, some time now that those li- those liquor store shelves are getting really, really crowded. And I'm finding when I go to a liquor store more often than not, I'm not doing something new. I'm going to back to something that I know and something that's reliable. Uh, some of that has to do with dates because the liquor store shelves are getting, uh, so overrun a lot of the times that I'm checking dates, you know, you and I talked about that the other day about how, you know, you guys are self-distributing, you you can do a good job of, of taking a, a look at that. But I was, you know, seeing a lot of stuff from uh June and July on the liquor store shelves. So I'm, you know, I'm not gonna do that. I'm gonna go, you know, find a Deschutes. I'm gonna go find a Sierra Nevada. I'm gonna go find one of those breweries that that I know and I trust and I you know I I know what I'm getting. Uh I I don't know. I mean, Michael, how how are you guys? Have you done anything to th- your lineup that you're putting in cans differently during the pandemic than you were, you know, a year ago?
1: Um, I mean, we we have become more strategic in in in, in focusing kind of on our core stuff, like what we do well, you know, and, and that that's kind of going back to what you guys are both saying. You know, size seven has been. You know, sells, sells really well. It sold really well. It's a very consistent seller. It's, it's our number one seller by far. But, uh, you know, this summer, starting in, in March, you know, our, our first lockdown here and going through summer and this whole year, you know, size seven has seen just an, an insane resurgence and in kind of because it's seen as that tried and true product. It's seen as, you know, exactly what you're getting. It's quality, you know, IPA. It's exactly what you want it kind of checks big boxes. And it's also, it, it's easy to, met, like, it, it's not like you're going to look for new things. Um, so we've seen, a you know, a little bit of reduction in that, like, people that would constantly kind of be searching out what the new beer is, or what is new that they want to try. It's more like, get me this specific thing. Maybe I'll try one thing that's new. Um, but it's it's more like, you know, I would suspect that, like you said, shoots. like I would I would guess that you're seeing the same thing, that like Black butte is selling really well, that, um, you know, Fresh Squeeze is probably selling really well, um, you know, probably more than it did last year in, in package. Um, so it, there's definitely a shift. We did realize that about like early summer, we realized that we were missing out in terms of our flexibility to be able to launch some products and to keep us going from a production standpoint in terms of keeping volume going that we were missing out by not being able to be flexible in putting new brands in cans or one-off things in cans easily. So we did, I mean, like middle of the pandemic, I mean, we invested in a labeler and, and we're now, you know, we got blank cans and we're now able to put, you know, we did, we did this new IPA that was just a, you know, kind of straight up thing. And we did, you know, a, a handful of batches of it, basically like a three month supply and we're really versatile in, in pumping that out. And it sold really well. It was so, fantastic. Thanks. I mean, I I, th- I think it hit a really, it hit in a spot that we don't have, you know, we didn't have, it's the six and a half percent alcohol. It's certainly more like tropical forward and more like in that nouveau hop character IPA, lower bitterness. So it, it, it fits in a in an ABV range and in a in an area that we just didn't have another beer that fit well. Um, so and it sold really well and I and I think it appeals to that consumer who's looking for that flavor profile of some of the New England style and hazy IPAs. But we we kind of went the opposite way in branding it and just being like straight up and like this is an IPA. It is what it is and if you like it you know, drink it and buy it. And if you don't, then don't. You know, we're, we're not going to come out with some, you know, double dry hop kind of shenanigans to try to promote it in some way. We were basically like, this is it. It's straight up. It's called, I, I mean, it literally is called IPA. It's mm-hmm. a simple black on, you know, white on black label. And, uh, you know, but being able to be versatile through the pandemic was probably the biggest thing that we adjusted to. And we're like, look, we're not selling what we were selling in kegs and you know bars and restaurants. We need to adjust, and we need to make this investment. Let's adjust. Let's get blanks in. Let's you know do some kind of one-off you know quarterly beers. And going forward, like I think that will be part of that. That will be more of what we do, being able to have that flexibility now. So that was a big change for us. I mean, we had kind of stayed away from that um, for a while. And the pandemic was like, look, you kind of have to do this. Like if you want to, you want to stay, if you want to stay in the game and you want to keep selling beer and liquor stores are your only option you got to get something new out there too, to kind of, you know, keep things going. So.
2: Smart. And speaking of of new stuff, um, I do want to circle back because we've kind of talked about new things and during the pandemic and all that, the last time Neil was with us, He'd let us know about some new beers and stuff that shoots was was gonna do, and some new marketing. Um, you know the way the boxes and packages and stuff looks. So, given that all of that happened during the pandemic, how did that work out for you guys, Neil? Uh,
4: a couple thoughts on that. Number one uh, is is this.
1: Oh mm-hmm. shit. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> All the heaven, West Virginia. <laughs> <laughs>
5: Excuse I my get...
1: singing. I have a terrible singing voice. But uh, if no, play, no, grab I my hate it. You know? It's just so just,
5: just...
2: <laughs> soothing, yeah. <laughs> like nails on a chalkboard.
4: Let's <laughs> just get into the chorus. Yeah, like hey, come on, Tim, sing it. <laughs>
1: Okay. <laughs> i should have asked early on are we are we keeping this video and are and how often are we allowed to swear because i've been keeping it pretty moderate
2: oh, oh no no you can say whatever you want and the yeah. video we don't right, we sweet. don't put out the
0: video so uh, have you have you seen what we look like I mean, I, I know you know what I look like, but now that you see Aaron and you see JT. Uh, I've,
1: I've seen what I look like, so, you know, I'm just taking sure.
4: <laughs> uh, so, anyway, I, wa- I just wanted to share that with everyone. Uh, yeah. Aaron, answer your question. Thank you, Neil. Thank, yeah. thank you. Appreciate it. That won't be the, that won't be the last time. <laughs> um, yeah. Well, first of all, I just want to say uh, the, 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 the size 7, really, really good. Enjoying this.
5: I mean,
4: super clean awesome. um you know uh really getting like uh, candied orange is is, is yeah. how i describe it uh what, what is your hot bill on this one
1: uh it's a blend it's mostly cascade centennial okay, yeah, I mean just so, i mean just it's nice uh I'm gonna have
4: to leave to go downstairs to get my second one here in a minute, but um yeah, really good um you know. Easy, the easy judgment of beers is, do you want another one? And I, I definitely want another one. Yeah. Huh? Um, yeah, Aaron, to answer your question, I mean. I, thanks. Uh, yeah, sure. Um, you know, yeah. As far as like how COVID has affected the shoots, uh, you know, it, it, it takes a while for us to like kind of like adjust to what the market is saying. And, and like, you know, COVID hit in March, April. And I would say that a lot of what we're going to be uh, like our reaction into the market will be hitting in the early part of next year. So um, for us at Deschutes, it's, it's larger pack sizes, you know, like people are spending less time. You know, we were all the guy that kind of like paces the craft beer aisle looking for exactly the right beer, you know, and we're like. The journey of purchasing, if that takes us like 30 minutes to pick out the right beer, we're completely fine with it because that's part of the fun. Well, those days are kind of over for the, at least the time being. You know, like when you go into a store, you want to get in and you want to get out for your own safety reasons. Um, so people are going in. That's the reason why choosing familiar brands has become kind of the way of life. So, um, same reason for large pack sizes. You know, you're not going to the store quite as often. So if you're gonna buy a six pack, you might as well buy a 12 pack. Brands that have been available in 12 packs have really thrived during this time frame. If it was a brand, it doesn't matter how large or small you were, if you were only available in a six pack, you haven't done quite as well. So um, you know, we're pivoting towards that during, uh, during the pandemic. Uh, I don't think that, that like behavior of shopping changes even as we get out of the pandemic. I think people, you know, spending time in public places are going to be kind of curtailing that as 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 they they go. Um, so uh, yeah, you know, like we've what, one of the phrases that I use at Deschutes quite often is we we have to start ha- you know taking the the the, uh, the the opportunities that are standing you know right in front of our face. And for a while, Deschutes as a brewery it was like we would rather kind of throw the hail Mary to use a a football reference. than like, Hey, let's like, like, let's get really creative and let's throw the hail Mary and come up with something that is like,
1: (laughs) the next big thing. Oh, what is that? (laughs) Uh, That's from uh, the game two years ago.
0: uh, Anyway,
1: keep talking, keep talking. (laughs) God, that's horrible.
4: Yeah. Um, you know, so we throw the Hail Mary and, and, and try to come up with the next big thing. And, you know, the reality is that Deschutes is like, like Michael, you called it like a brewer's brewery. And, and that's really what Deschutes is too. You know, uh, it's just that we've been around for 33 years. So, um, you know, uh, when you said, Hey, we're not very good at marketing. I wanted to say, you know, being like sucking at marketing is actually a pretty good marketing, like positioning statement. You know, because that's sure. Yeah. Yeah. That, yeah we we got to lean into it. Right. Right. Yeah. yeah. And I, I call it being comfortable in your own skin. And at Deschutes, yep. we, we have to be comfortable in our own skin. Are we the best marketers in the world? No, we're not. Uh, I, but are we world class brewers? Yes, I, I think we are. Um, so it's all about uh, taking those opportunities that are sitting right in front of your face and saying, hey, you know what? Our portfolio is missing this. Type of beer or this style of beer, and I think last time we talked, I was just talking about uh, Royal Fresh, which which is our Imperial IPA, which is out in the market now. I think you guys have tried that one. That was that was an opportunity that was like sitting right in front of our face, and a couple times we were like, you know what? Yeah, that's there, but maybe we should try something else. At Deschutes, we're trying to get better at saying, you know what? This opportunity is sitting right in in front of our face. We should take it. I
2: I think I'm the only one that's had it, because we were going to do it for a pod, and those guys couldn't find it in the Midwest
0: yet. I've been looking all over for Royal Fresh, and I couldn't find it anywhere. Um, I was really hoping to find some really flowery language to describe it with, (laughs) (laughs) because you guys are very good at that.
4: Are we? Okay. (laughs) I I am going to send you guys a bottle of the Abyss, which just came out.
2: Oh, I saw, I saw that when you I uh, think you put it on Twitter or something like that.
4: Yeah, yeah. I might yeah. drink in front of you just taunt you here in a minute. <laughs>
2: <laughs> oh, that sounds sounds all right. I don't blame you.
4: Yeah.
2: Um. So, having said all that, and and I don't want Neil to get parched. Um. So, it's really going to hurt me to say, all that, say this, but let's take a break. Uh, hear from our sponsor, Dead Eye Barbecue Sauce. And I'm gonna let Neil play us out into break mm-hmm. one one more time because he's gonna do it whether we want him to or not eventually.
5: <laughs> um, gather
4: around do you guys have to pay for licensing on this? Uh, that's <laughs> what's kind of my thought.
3: So, yeah. It's,
0: it's cutting in and out enough every time we laugh. Yeah, oh, you <laughs> know. Yeah, I don't
4: know. I don't, I don't know our audio
3: is. editor can just put a fart soundtrack or something over <laughs> it. And it'd be better anyway. if we
4: get, I think you get 10 seconds for free, right?
1: It yes. depends. I don't think we've played a cumulative 10 seconds. I think we're good. Yeah.
2: I'm, i you know, I guess if they want to send our little old podcast a nasty we will apologize later <laughs>
3: so. it's easier to ask for forgiveness and seek permission
2: yeah uh, so all right well with that we will be right back with the second half and uh steel toes size seven
4: back when i started dead Eye, i knew i wanted to innovate the barbecue game since day one we've offered a premium barbecue product unlike anything else on the market Great Anne Irene had something special tucked away on a recipe card in her cupboard. And there was no way we weren't going to do something about it. So we decided to take it one step further, introducing Deadeye Superfood Barbecue Sauce. We've got five new flavors, graviola, Acerola, pink guava, acai, and dragon fruit. They're the first of its kind, and they're packed with flavor. Find it at your local grocer today or at deadeyebbq.com.
2: And welcome back to the second half of the episode. This is the part where things get a little hairy sometimes, and uh, you never know what could happen. Uh, I mean,
0: you're you're conscious and sober for it, Aaron. So that's already. I, I
2: only haven't made it through one episode. <laughs> what's the old saying you know something something one sheep and you're labeled as forever <laughs> exactly um,
0: that was well said there sir uh, uh, you know. I, I know the joke that's fantastic
2: <laughs> but uh yeah so uh, hopefully you guys are, are are listening to our sponsor dead eye barbecue sauce it is really fantastic um also check out all the other stuff on the tailgate society lots of great writing Lots of great podcasts. I think we're up to seven or eight podcasts right now, probably. Yeah, Um, to the point where I don't want to name them all because I'll forget somebody and feel bad about it. Um, But uh, definitely check that out. Rate, review, subscribe. We'd appreciate it Um, because that's how the whole thing works.
4: Um, Aaron, just real quick. Yeah. Uh, Speaking of your sponsor, Dead Eye Barbecue, I'm just wondering when is the sales pitch happening?
2: <laughs>
4: to get to shoot the shoot sponsor the
2: pod. Well, I mean, do you want? Well, I, I've asked once. I mean, please
3: did, give us money. Do I have to
2: ask again? I mean, I will.
4: At the midpoint or at the end,
2: if you want me to, I can. I mean, <laughs> always be closing, right? You know. So the right amount of money, hate he'll hate do anything salesman. you ask. <laughs> I mean, I got to. Cl- I got to sell something soon because I'm running out of coffee. <laughs> um, but. uh Yeah, so I think we'll start the second half here, um, and we're going to circle back to Neil because they have released some new beers. He's obviously sampled a new beer here tonight, Um, and we're going to go circle back and see if he has any different answers to our question that we ask everybody, and that is if you were stranded on a desert island. I don't even remember what Neil's beers were the first time, but... Any, if you were stranded on a desert island, what beers, three or four or five, whatever you're comfortable with there, do you want to have with you?
4: Uh, Yeah, I mean, number one would be Steel Toe Brewing, size seven.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Always, he's he's selling selling me here. Yeah,
2: exactly. He was just giving me a hard time.
1: (laughs) I mean, if I were going to put one, I'd definitely put... Black Butte Porter from Deschutes Brewery. Right? <laughs> that's, that's a really, fan, really fantastic beer.
4: Yeah.
1: There's There's one beer, beer on... I mean...
4: Simpatico
1: on that. Yeah. There's,
4: There's one, one beer I want on this Mountaineer. island.
1: Mountaineer fans, we got to stick together, you know, no matter what.
4: Yeah. Well, yeah. Yeah. Michael, give me a good craft beer from, uh, from West Virginia that we should have on our list. I
1: think there's no good craft beer from West Virginia. I mean, I, mean, I don't want to shit on West Virginia. But I mean, I'm not. So, so here's. So I'm not I'm not originally I'm not from West Virginia. I went to, went to college there. I, yeah. I lived there, obviously, uh, from Pennsylvania. I grew up in Pittsburgh. Uh, the last time I was back in Morgantown was uh, a couple years ago. I try to get back pretty regularly. I have some I have one college buddy who still he lives there and he, he works uh, for a company in Morgantown. Uh, so I stay with him and go back. We go to a football game every year or, you know, when I can get back. But um, yeah, I don't it's, it's pretty abysmal. I mean, the, the, the craft beer scene in West Virginia is not great. I'm sure there's a couple. I When I was out there, they were trying to sell me on some brewery down in Charleston, which I'm sure was, was decent. I'm sure there's a handful of, of decent breweries out there, but I couldn't name one. So if yeah. I it. A- the, the correct answer would have been Icy Light. Yeah, yeah. now I see light. Yeah, being from Pittsburgh, man, I see light. That's a good one. (laughs) Yeah, maybe Yingling, you know, being from Pennsylvania, but drinking it in West Virginia, that could be one that we could throw on the list.
4: The other right answer would have been anything that you could flabongo.
1: (laughs) (laughs) That's That's definitely true. Well, I, I heard somebody possibly say, but I mean, the best from West Virginia moonshine. I mean, I've been at many a tailgate in Morgantown, and there is some really beautiful moonshine being made. Oh no!
5: Did
4: we lose him? Matrix on us. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Uh, Oh no! I I think he's back now. So
4: I've never heard the word "I cut out" and and moonshine go
0: together. (laughs) 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 Good moonshine. Yeah, that's true. So that's where the one where everybody drinks and goes smooth. (laughs) <laughs> yeah all right so you're on this desert island but there's a football tailgate and you can flabongo what, 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 what beers are you choosing oh, geez, you're not
4: letting this die okay great i'm, I'm still going with still size seven as one choice uh i'm gonna go with black butte porter as my number two and i'm gonna go with uh yeah i'm gonna go with icy light as number three <laughs>
0: well michael same question
1: so uh, and i mean we're we're on a desert island and this desert island has college football and we're full of ongoing and we're i mean we're really just tearing down this beer yeah. um <laughs> it's, it's a
2: riot bowl on a desert island Here, yeah.
1: yeah yeah man i mean i'd go uh i gotta go with a good pilsner i mean i'm a really big fan of prima pills from victory out in pennsylvania that was always a classic of mine good good americanized german pilsner so any i mean you can crush some of that it'll it'll wreck you more than some but uh let's see a good cheap one i'd be crushing some some uh man i can't believe you said icy light that's that's a that's a that's a hell of a choice there i I mean i'm from i'm from pittsburgh and we don't even say icy light (laughs) Um, (laughs) um Let's see. uh, Desert Island. I'd throw some European thing. I'd be. I'd be throwing like some saison du Pont or some Orval. You know, down a flabongo. That would be pretty money. Uh, (sighs) Yeah, a a nice bottle of Orval and just crush that one down. That would be pretty good. (laughs) Uh, Um, Sounds amazing. And, and and I'm gonna I'm gonna stick with the I'm gonna stick with the Black Butte. I mean, Black Butte is beautiful beautiful porter, and that's a really nice beer. Nice. Throw that on there. So, I don't know. I probably add a couple more. I, I tend to go <laughs> classic. You know, I either go classic or I mean, I go. I I love Pacifico. Pacifico is a money one. You know, if I'm eating some tacos and some burritos, I really want to drink some Pacifico. That's a that's a A game choice right there.
4: I love. So- Yep.
1: Yeah, yeah, no, no, yeah, a, Mexican... a couple In oh. Pacifico. I mean, it'd be great on a desert island. So there we go. There's yeah, there's I like four.
3: It. I like it. Has anyone we ever tried an episode... Leon? Sorry,
1: Sorry go, go ahead, JT. JT.
3: There's a Mexican beard called Leon or Leon. Has mm-hmm. anyone ever had that? No, I don't. Only... OK, when I've gone out to Mexico, it's, you can find it's freaking fantastic. I wish they had it here because it's kind of a red lager but yeah it, there's not a lot of mexican beers like it i wish they had it here state cuz oh it's so good but anyway sorry
1: I, there's I, some I, great the, the those great beers in mexico are like there's this really like kind of side tradition in mexico of Vienna lagers, you know okay. they have like the, yeah. like the like the negro modelos and the yep. i mean some of those are absolutely fantastic i remember i remember drinking negro modelo like it was you know, it was it was like the best thing I had ever had. You know, yeah. it was just this really fantastic like alternate Mexican beer that was, you know, in this beautiful little bottle with the gold foil on top. And there's there's a really cool tradition of those uh, Vienna lagers in Mexico. So and even
3: a Vic- Victoria is a really good one as well. You can get pretty regular here
0: stateside. So yeah, yeah. yeah the the Mexican brewing tradition really is kind of started a lot by. uh by German brewers who, who settled in Mexico and, and, and got that. So a lot of some of those best ones really do kind of have that, You said, that Vienna Lager influence. The Negro Modelo, uh, Aaron, do you remember La Fuente in, in Ames? Yes. So is that is just right there off of Duff, South Duff, just south of Lincoln Way, uh, the best Mexican restaurant at the time in Ames. I don't think it's open anymore, but, uh, man, I used to go there and, and drink... Negro Modelo, like it was going out of style. Um, Yeah, same thing. You know, it was like a it was like a fancy beer experience at the time. Um, Yeah, for sure. Yeah, no, it's a good beer. It's a good beer. I'll I'll also drink. College.
1: I will too. I had some buddies in college. I remember they had uh, like Mexican beer night at this place uh, called Game Time, and it was you know like a sports bar in Morgantown, and uh, they had Mexican beer night, and uh, we drank Negro Modelo, Pacifico, Corona. I think drank them out of their Mexican beer, like they didn't have anything left, but that Negro modelo was money I mean that was that was a good one.
3: Dosequis:
1: yeah, I think some Dos Equis, some triple X Equis, you know that
3: oh yeah <laughs> <laughs>
1: it was it was a fun night. We'll say I don't remember the the last two thirds of it, you know <laughs> <laughs> You guys from Ames, you guys might know a uh, uh something that you
4: imported there to Iowa called Old style
0: Oh, oh yes. boy. <laughs> uh... My, my my lower gastrointestinal system remembers old style. Absolutely, <laughs> I drink a lot of old style.
3: All Cub fans where, remember old style. So yeah, cheap. Anybody oh, from God Chicago? So bad. Ugh.
1: Yeah. Do they still make that at the Heilman Brewery in Wisconsin? Is that where they're still making that? They might. It's, they might it's, be. I think it's under. It's under like the PAPS. Isn't it under like the Pabst label or something? Yeah. Yeah. That would make
3: sense. Yeah.
0: Speaking of, did you see Pabst just decided to to shut down their yeah that short-lived craft brewing whatever arm they tried to do? What was it called? It was like Captain Pabst or something like that. What was that?
4: Yeah, Captain Pabst. Yeah. 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 They uh, opened up a little pilot brewery in Milwaukee to kind of like uh, you know reconnect with their heritage, and uh, yeah, they just shut it down this week. But yeah, uh, yeah, you know, I, I think that. You know, was obviously part of uh, some of the, the hits that have happened during COVID. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm sure there was a hospitality element to that, bringing people in to drink the beer there on the spot. And that's not happening right now. And, you know, in the beer industry, um, it's it's tough to keep those places open. You know, one of the things you guys were talking about earlier, and I, I don't want to be a, a downer here, but uh, I, I think too it's – <laughs> yeah.
2: <laughs> the minute you queued up that song, it's all downhill.
4: Oh, God. Um, you know, I, I think something worth talking about in the beer industry is the, the heyday of craft beer may have passed us. And, and what I mean by that is that, you know, uh, distributors around the country are not as motivated to carry as many. Different brands and styles of beer, and uh, you know that that's something to think about. I encourage everyone to think about this when you go out to bars and you you, you look at what you're going to buy. Uh, think about those brands that you appreciate having on tap when we all get back out to bars again, hopefully here in the next sixty or ninety days, uh, and support those brands that may not be rotating quite as fast. So if you're thinking about a brand that, you know, sells a lot on tap, think about throwing a a, a bone to those breweries that are like kind of like scraping by. Because uh, everyone throughout the entire supply chain is going to be gravitating towards brands that are their easy sellers. And uh, in order for us to keep the variety out there, we all have to band together and support the brands that aren't selling quite as well that might sound kind of weird but uh that it's important these days especially when we think about these these bars that are making tough decisions between which keg they bring on tap and which one they don't
2: for sure that's a really good point
1: i Um, I agree i mean i'll I'll throw my two cents in there like i think it is um you know with the last three years we've seen really a leveling of the overall growth in the craft beer sector craft beer you know industry or the the segment of the alcohol industry and you know really the only part of craft beer that was growing was on-site uh you know tap room sales And, and a lot of those small breweries are definitely the ones that are hit the hardest from this so what you had was this you know there was this shift already from you know to I mean, put Deschutes in the category with a lot of other large regional breweries, but you have these breweries like Deschutes that were, you know, are excellent, excellent breweries, large, larger regional craft breweries that I, that were kind of in this position where they were either seeing some declining growth or very, very moderate growth. And then you had these very tiny breweries that were, you know, booming just, you know, it was, it was where all the, all the new kind of interest in the industry was happening. And, I think the writing on the wall was already there for kind of this overall downturn in the industry. But this certainly, I mean, COVID certainly stamped it. I mean, it put the, it put the, the writing on the wall and, and said, you, you know, look, this, this isn't going to continue the way that it's been continuing because this last decade has been insane. I mean, you know, we, there was a big craft boom in the 90s, but it was nothing compared to the last decade. I mean, this last decade was astronomical growth. And we all kind of saw it coming, but this definitely shifted that. And, you know, to your point, Neil, it really is, we're seeing more and more just how important it is that consumers make really, they're making really pointed decisions on what they buy. And they're being very conscious of where they're spending their money. And that's not going to end when we have a vaccine. It's not going to end when we can go back to bars. You know, people are going, this is a big wake up call to kind of how people are spending you know, what they're spending on, what, def- what defines quality, you know, what's worth spending money on. So, yeah. And, and to your point too, you know, to keep the variety in the market, you know, if somebody's out there making excellent beer and they're small and they're not, you know, able to kind of be in, you know, package or easily in the liquor stores, you know, those are the places go and buy some off sale from their tap room and, you know, keep going. Cause if, if they're making high quality, <laughs> beer, we want them to stick around. You know, yep. now's the time to, now's the time to make that decision because that's where it's going.
4: Yep. Going and, and buying a crowler or a growler from your local brewery. It means a ton these days. It really does. I mean, these are businesses that are scraping by and supporting them in a, in a non-premise account. Uh, if, if you like selection, then buy based on that, you know, Uh, buy something that might be a little bit out of your comfort zone. It's important. It really is.
1: I keep, I mean, I keep thanking like every day. I mean, I'm just kind of humbled by like, we're in a really enviable position to a lot of people in the industry, I think, because we're, we're not huge, but I mean, we're big enough. So we have a well-established market in the, in liquor stores. We're in package, we're in cans. We have a, a very, you know, efficient canning setup so we can be really, you know, we cost effective. We can put beer in a package that was already established. We're a ten year old brewery, so we're an established brand. Uh, we have off sale, so we can sell stuff out of the tap room. You know, if if we were smaller or bigger, it, it's a it's that would be a really tough position to be in. You know, just kind of managing that. We're still able to be flexible. We can we can adjust and move with things, but we're still well established enough that we we sit in a really enviable position. And I'm, I'm humbled every day, but when people choose to buy you know, size seven or or provider, whatever. When, when they choose one of our beers, whether they're buying a can in a liquor store or they're coming to buy off sale from our tap room during this whole mess, it's, I mean, that's just fantastic. It, it feels really good. And it's, uh, I, I can't state that enough. You know, it's um, as, as much like the downer part of it. I mean, a lot of this sucks, but at the same time, like it feels really good to at least feel like we're in an okay position. Yeah. Um, and knowing that a lot of other people aren't, so...
0: Yeah. Well, and you guys have had like a real big ping pong this year too, because you had to shut down your your tap room and only sell off sale, and then you could open up your tap room, and now you're going back to shutting it back down again. So it's been yeah. constantly having to to pivot with that model, uh, which you know, first yeah. of all, it, it's a challenge for for you guys of you know. What am I? What I'm brewing for? How much of my kegs are, are dedicated to tap room? How much are are dedicated to to package? And you know that shift enough is enough. But even when you guys got opened back up the after the first shutdown, you know that that tap room um uh traffic wasn't you know wasn't you couldn't relate it in any way to any other time period, right? You know
1: no. no. No, it was, it was like, I mean, th- everything we've done this year from, say, like, you know, March whatever, March 7th or 13th or whatever, the first shutdown, everything that we've done this year has been uh, trying to make things out of stuff that we've never done before. You know, like we, we, you know, to have partial taproom capacity, to try to expand taproom capacity, to try to move beer in the taproom on, on sale to off sale to pushing all of our volume into, you know, into packaged beer for liquor stores. It's been a constant rewriting of the book of how I manage production, like production management from my perspective has been a constant roller coaster of adjustment. Mm -hmm. And it, I mean, it's been frustrating and, and, uh, it's been, it's been trying to just try to grasp all of that. You know, at, at, at this point in the year, I mean, it is. It has been much easier because now we at least have some previous months. You know, we, we've been shut down before. We know that we can shift things into canning. We know that the tap room sales are are absolutely down. We know that we're seeing some off sale uptick. So we have a much better grasp on it now because we're because we're kind of in like the third edition of it. Um, so it it could be worse, but I mean it, we're still learning it as we go. You know, it's still a lot of being able to be flexible in in a production atmosphere that's not always very flexible, you know, when you're talking about like keeping yeast alive and keeping production going, and you know, brewing beer, and you know, stepping up production, stepping down production, stopping production, restarting, you know, having beer available when it needs to be available, it's we're constantly rewriting the book, and it's uh, yeah, it's it's kind of a whirlwind, but we're we're managing, you know, I, I mostly have my head on forward and, and figuring it out. And sometimes I just go over in the corner and, you know, cry or something. You, know? <laughs> you,
3: you brought something up. How quickly can you guys pivot from cakes to canning to tap room? Do you need a couple of days? Do you need a couple of weeks? How quickly can you guys pivot and what kind of goes behind that process?
1: Um, I mean, for, for us, we and, and our size and kind of where we are production we can pivot within like weeks. Um, you know, larger breweries it you know months or or even more of like kind of how production is set up and how to adjust that. You know, based on you know fluctuating demand and moving things in a package and stuff. But I mean, we can. I mean, we can make adjustments day to day on some things. You know, where we're shifting volume into like whether we're shifting stuff that's in a bright tank into cans or whether we're putting it into off-sale bottles, or growlers, or whether we're, you know, putting it into kegs for look for you know bars and restaurants. I mean, we, we can shift some of that day-to-day weekly production pretty quickly, um, but some of the you know some of the bigger stuff and figuring out like are we going to are, are are we going to do this seasonal brand that we normally do? Some of that stuff. I mean, we we either do it or we have to just because there's uncertainty, we just have to axe it like there've been a couple of seasonal beers this year that we just didn't do. You know, it it just wasn't in the cards. It didn't make sense. It wasn't worth the, you know, effort, time, energy, everything to have some un- uncertainty at the end of where what we were going to do with it after we brewed it. You know, it's it's one it's one thing to brew a beer, but you have to be able to, you know, right now more than ever, we can't brew a beer without knowing that we can like it has to it has to have a destination, you know, weeks or months down the road. Um, or else we just can't justify it. you know it it so we're we're in a much more conservative position of being really cautious, you know pushing when we can, but really like short term pushes. like they're okay, we can kind of do this and we can pivot this way a little bit, but yeah, it's it it's uh it, it's kind of it's a fascinating endeavor in a in a production setting, you know to to move stuff around and make things work the way you need them to. so.
0: Well, and so you mentioned getting conservative. I know I've talked to other uh, brewers, you know, maybe not having as many strains of yeast, right? So when you buy a, a pitchable quantity of yeast, you're not looking at that batch of beer. You're looking at I'm going to get X amount of batches of beer out of that. And, you know, if you were to buy a Kolsch strain right now and you know you could sell one batch of Kolsch, that still might not be worth it to do it. Because you don't want to keep that yeast alive. Are you guys finding that you like maybe you I mean, You guys have probably been a little bit more uh, just deliberate with that in general, which I think is one of your strengths. One of the things that you do, you know, you're not constantly uh, having seven different yeast strains going on uh, at a time anyway. But uh, are you, you know, some of those decisions I think are, are you know, a little bit. Uh, more of a challenge because even if you think you might know the next four weeks what we've learned is you might not know the next four days and so if i go and buy yeah. a pitchable amount of yeast thinking okay i'll be able to to you know harvest off of this for the next you know 10 batches and now all of a sudden it's no that's zero batches that's that's a pretty good amount of, of money just going right down the drain
1: yeah for sure i mean it's it is a uh it it's a It's a lesson in versatility. I mean, it is is really taking things back to, because like to that point, you know, it's also looking at is, you know, can, can we do this? Is it worth investing in this to do this? And it's also looking at, you know, supply chains have been, you know, completely shit on across everything. So, I mean, we're looking at, you know, so we need this. Uh, do we want to do this? Can we afford to make this beer or does it make sense be- because we have a place to sell it down the road? You know, should we invest in the yeast and the in the ingredients in it? Uh, but the other thing is, is like, will we, if we do decide to do that, will we be able to get uh, cans? Will we be able to get the yeast? You know, is the yeast uh, production cycle delayed by 10 days versus, you know, two or three day turnaround, mm-hmm. you know, so, all of these it's like it's like having seventy five moving parts and all of them are moving constantly mm-hmm. so you know we have we have a production facility and we're producing a thing, but it has been constant flexibility constantly being able to be flexible that's kept us going because we can't count on anything really day to day you know we can kind of take it it it's really caused us to take everything back and at certain points throughout the summer and early spring and going into fall. So probably three or four times this year where we've basically taken a point in the day. And just has been like, we need to stop everything that we're doing, mm-hmm. stop everything that we're doing, look at it and evaluate it. What is, what does this look like several days out, several weeks out? And this was all things that we were doing before. Like I was already, you know, production planning and doing all of that, but it's looking at it from a whole different perspective of you know, stopping everything. And literally we might have to stop everything and not do it at all. You know, like, um, so it's, uh, it's crazy. I mean, I, I, there, I can't relate it to anything other than it being, you have to kind of roll with it. You have to be able to stop and pivot. Um, uh, and if you don't, you'll drive yourself mad and you'll, um, it, it's just, yeah, there's just, you're, we're, we're just trying to stay in the game. You know we're we're trying to keep things going and, and stay positive and keep it rolling, but it's it, uh, I, yeah.
4: like you're bringing up so many important points here. Like these are <laughs> so many like decision points that every brewery is dealing with every day the, this <laughs> year. Like yeast management, that is stuff that people don't think about. Mm-hmm. And, and I, I'm just curious, can can you think of a a, a moment this year where you guys were like? where you had to kind of like make a critical decision on like A versus B, like produce one brand versus another. You talked about seasonals on like, mm-hmm. uh, like, do you, do you shut that off? Do you, do you go with another one? I'm, I'm, I'm just curious of like, was there a moment this year where you had like just a really critical decision to make that, that kind of like, like impacted your, your business as a whole?
1: Uh, for sure. Yeah. I mean, I, I think we've had, we've had several of those moments, um, you know, to, to think of a specific one and one that was, it was one of those really tough points. We were coming into the end of summer. We, we have a, we have a brand that, uh, we, we brew that's a, a wee heavy, it's a really classic traditional Scotch ale, like strong, you know, Scotch ale. And it's, I, I think one of the best, Beers that we brew—it's—it's it's one of those beers that is just like it's perfect for like late fall into winter, like going into Thanksgiving, and we—we we won, I don't know, we've won like two or we've won two gold medals, I think a silver with it a GABF and World Beer Cup, and I mean, it's—it's it's just a fantastic beer. It's it is—it be-
0: is an amazing
1: beer. Yeah, it's—it's it's called We Heavy. I mean, it's—it's it's, it's a gorgeous beer. We don't sell a ton of it by volume, but it's a beer that I think has become one of the, it's it's a beer that I define us by, like internally I define us by it because it is such a well-lauded beer that um, it is, it just kind of fits this very specific character of malty, caramely toast. It, it's a beer that very few people are brewing, and I think we do a really excellent version of it. And, you know, we were getting into late summer and we were trying to figure out if if we could if it made sense for us to brew it like looking forward two months, you know, we were at like August and we were looking forward two months and we were like, you know, I was looking at things and I'm like, look, I think, I think this whole COVID thing is going to get worse going into fall and winter. And because most people who were, you know, paying attention to things saw that coming yep. as we're kind of see, seeing, it now. So, you know, we made this really difficult decision to, to ax the brand completely. Like it was on our brand calendar it was, you know, ready to be brewed, and literally the day before we brewed it, I, I had one of those stop moments. I looked at our production calendar, I looked at what we had going, I looked at the projection of when we were going to, you know, get it through the seller, get it into package, and then get it out to market. And it was like, "I don't think this isn't viable. Like we just we can't do it. We have to scrap it for this year. And it sucks, but we have to scrap it. So we did. You know, it's and that's one of of probably several dozen moments similar to that, where we've had to make those types of production decisions that are 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 tough, but we've had to do them. You know, you just you look at it and you're like, what else do we do? You know, we if we don't have a place, if we don't have the ability to sell this beer in two months or, you know, in six to eight weeks when we're going to really be getting it out there, we just can't do it. So, I mean, there's a you know, specific situation where it, it was really frustrating. You know, it's um, yeah. How about, how about you? Like, what's the situation no, with Deschutes? Desu-
4: Desu- uh, I, like, well, I, I just want to say, like, listening to that story is emotional. Like, to to pull the plug on a brand is like it's heart wrenching, right? Like, it sucks. Yeah. Like, yeah. not not only do you just like want to drink that beer once a year, yeah. but like the, the the raw materials that you've invested in, uh, the 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 promises that you've made to, whether that is your your pub staff or to your distributor, like like just listening to that is like gut wrenching to me. Um, I don't like and, and like hearing that from you. What what that makes me think of is that that's happening a thousand times over with breweries around the country
1: right now. Yeah, yeah. And for for me, I mean, honestly, that decision that week was probably the easiest decision to make because it was there. There was no other option like there. There wasn't an option of like, sure, we could we could brew it and we can kind of figure it out. Like there was there was no there was just no option. You know, it it, it wasn't it wasn't. Yeah, we can we can do it. It was it was the easiest decision of the week. It was like, no, we can't like it. we, We have to cut it. It just doesn't make sense. You know, the amount of time and effort we're gonna put into it, it's it's all gonna be lost. It's all gonna be potential lost cost mm-hmm. or you know, lost investment. So yeah, I'm it's crazy. Seeing- and, and and like like I said, like we're we're in a you know, th- those types of decisions, like like I said, that was a relatively that was an easy decision to make because it was the right decision for the for the business, you know, and for the brewery. It still sucks, but I mean, it it it'd be way worse if we brewed it. You yeah. know, and then we were trying to figure out what the hell to do with it. And we're coming into our shutdown now and we have no place to sell it. And we have, you know, it sitting there, you know, it's so we, we've been we've been pretty proactive. I think we're, you know, it comes back to a lot of the way we look at the business and um, the, you know, we've we've always we're in this for the long haul, you know, and Deschutes, you know, you're a prime example of that. You know, it, this isn't a, we're not in in this for any fad we're in this for the long haul we want to be around as a long-term brand and making tough decisions like that happen all the time it just sucks that it happens to be that we're making a lot of tough decisions in a very short time frame all this year um but ultimately you know you, you got to do it if you want to keep things going got to do it
0: yeah i mean i'm still getting questions from from people of hey do you have any idea if anyone has a spare Palette of cans if anyone has uh a, a good pitch of chico available that i can you know like there's still a lot of that going on because i'm hearing a lot of breweries you know it's like hey you know what we got that brewed and it's sitting in the bright and we want to get uh, another you know there's this batch that's on the schedule that's supposed to be in there but i don't have cans to get this bright empty so what do i do you know uh if i can't get this batch empty i can't free up that fermenter which can't get this other thing and so it just has this big cascading effect
5: Um, so, uh,
3: Brewers there, you mentioned that you invested in all the raw ingredients to make the beer, then you don't make the beer. What do you do with the raw ingredients? then? do you sell it to another brewery? Do you invest it in another beer? You just try on a one-off or what, what happens with that raw ingredient then?
1: Yeah. I mean, we, we pivoted. So we were basically able to, you know, kind of break the, you know, the, the malt bill, you know, the, the build for that beer, we we're able to kind of break it up and shift it into other th- things, you know, in, in kind of a way that made sense. Um, but. Uh,
0: there might be some, a lot of recipe tweaks you're seeing on some of your favorite beers, JT.
1: Okay. Okay. <laughs> and I mean, we I just,
3: every, we, every we, pivot we say reminds me of Ross on friends, but anyway, <laughs>
1: <laughs> pivot, pivot. <laughs> and some, some of it, like we just, you know, some of it we've had to eat. Like we had a couple of, you know, beers that we were, you know, we, we still have malt sitting around from beers that we were supposed to brew that, you you know, we'll either use it or we'll have to scrap it. You know, we'll, we'll get to a point, but I mean, luckily malt is, you know, we, most of the specialty malts and things we're using on some, on these, uh, uh, seasonal beers are in bag. And I mean, they're good, you know, 12 to 18 months or so. I mean, we're not, and, and we, we have it in a, a good, you know, controlled storage environment, so you know we're not it it's not like because we didn't brew that beer like that's completely wasted raw material. It's like we can either pivot some of it or we can utilize it in a different way even even down the road you know into next year so
3: and yeah. even if then you lose one ingredient, yeah, I lost one ingredient, but if we go forward with the beer, I'm gonna use seven eight ten twelve more that I lose money on too. Yeah. so I lose money on one yeah. thing and opposed to twelve things, yeah, the bottom line yeah. matters plus you're and, already I' already mean, paid it's... for it anyway, so
1: yeah. Well, you yeah. get so so you get you get raw materials in the building to brew something, and you're invested about five percent of the way. And then mm-hmm. the second yep. that you press the button to start milling in and you start mashing in that batch, you just got to about thirty or forty percent of the way. Yep. You know, I mean, it, you know, all the costs continually kind of snowball into things that are you know built. I mean, we. You know, obviously, there's a lot of costs involved in making beer. You know, but once once you press that button to start it, the the costs start racking up. You know, there's yeah. time and effort, energy to process, transfer, package. You know, all those things are are really what what are all the costs of beer. The raw materials. You look at, it, I mean, hops are one thing, but you look at malt and you know the amount and that kind of stuff going into beer. I mean, those those raw materials are pretty minimal. It's it's once you get the beer into process that you're really spending a lot of you know there's a lot of cost in it
3: yeah and cost and time and money and all that it's it's an old adage i, I basically help run a i do run a small company and yeah sometimes you've got to lose a little bit of money but the time and energy you'd waste on making a little bit of money you just got to say you know what it's just not worth it you got to cut your nose to, you know cut off your nose to save your face as they say i mean it's <laughs> hard to do when you disappoint people but at the end of the day it's About the bottom line, it's about what's best for everybody.
1: yep I'll tell you. So
4: it's so important right now for for breweries, and I'll say companies, but but you know this is a beer podcast, so let's talk about breweries. It's so important for breweries to make fast decisions. I mean, whether this is your food and beverage business, your on your on sale business, how you're managing those raw materials, if you're if you're you know, selling those to other breweries. I mean, Tim, you talked about a pitch of, uh, you know, uh, yeast. You know, I, it, that that stuff is so important right now. That is how breweries and businesses are going to survive. You have to adapt. You have mm-hmm. to be fast. You cannot pause one minute. You have to adapt as fast as possible. You have to adapt your cost structure if you if you wait too long, you will fail. Yep. I mean,
1: yeah. shit's real right now. It it, it yeah. like you just cannot pause one second. Yeah. To, to to bring it back and get on a on a little positive note, and that like, <laughs> that immediate decision. Yeah. Good.
5: Good. Look, good
1: looking size pivot, seven. Pivot. Pivot. <laughs> so so the the pivot to something positive. So we were so and making fast making fast decisions. So, you know, this pandemic hit like right at prime time to start brewing like summer seasonals and, and stuff and ramping up production. Cause I mean, it, here in Minnesota, we get like three days of summer. So, <laughs> you know, so, so I mean, you, you get to like March and you have to, and you start ramping up. Like we're ramping up production because you have patios and outdoor, you know, bars and restaurants and, and all kinds of activities that, you, that we saw a lot of volume over summer. So, you know, the way that this, pandemic hit and the way that our initial closure happened in Minnesota could not have been more fortuitous for us in that we were on the brink of making like 350 barrels of beer like Mm -hmm. on the brink of doing like back-to-back productions over like a 7 to 10 day period and ramping up production into spring and going into summer with seasonals and additional production and when that shutdown first notice happened talking about making fast de- decisions we we sat down and over the course of several hours basically decided to stop everything we stopped everything so over the course if, if it would have happened a week later just by t- timing like just by fortuitous timing if the shutdown would have happened a week later we would have we would have had hundreds of barrels of beer that we would have had nowhere to sell So luckily the timing worked out really well for us. I know that that timing worked out poorly for a lot of other breweries that were already, you know, months ahead of their production schedules, you know, going into seasonals and package and, and summer stuff. So that's another thing where I, I I'm, I'm very thankful that our size brewery, that we were, you know, we, we get up to where we kind of start to ramp things up and we're several weeks out, not months out. So, it worked out really well for for us early on, and I'm, I'm very thankful for that. It it sucked initially, but to stop that and not have all that beer sitting in fermenters and, and have to figure out what to do with it or have to dump it or have to, you know, whatever may have happened was super lucky. I mean, we were there was uh, there was some luck involved there. Or I'll, ta- you know, I'll, I'll take the credit for it. I don't know. It's good <laughs> <laughs>
0: well, well, why don't we go ahead and get into our tasting? So there's something. Oh, yeah. You oh, yeah. You pan. can. There is a tasting we do here. Uh, for Something you can take credit If anyone still it. has any left. Um,
3: I do. I do, actually. I sold
0: okay. a
1: whole
2: other can. I've been such a good person today about not drinking it too yeah. fast. No, I appreciate yeah, it.
1: I, I, didn't, I didn't know when the specific timing of it was, but I, I drank a couple of non size you know non-steel toe well we always back. do that too yeah so, so, I, so i just i just poured the size seven so okay well perfect oh, nice. so we hit
0: we have <laughs> we have some size seven in front of us so uh oh good lord uh um so i made
1: mean, sure to wear my my wvu shirt yeah no i kind of expected that
0: uh
3: what yeah, a good I, 40 I, I that i, don't, I own. don't even
0: have an iowa state hat down here with me um
3: I'm neutral on this. I just cheer for a team that you don't want to play in basketball anymore. So
0: Um <laughs> Well, you, you and I is what 0 and three, so I don't think they want to play anyone. Um one and three now, so Oh okay. Uh, <laughs> um so so Michael, the way we kind of go through our our, our tasting is kind of the classic appearance aroma, uh taste mouth, feel finish type of thing. Yep. We really you know, I just kinda ask everyone uh, first of all, uh, what are you seeing and, and what are you smelling?
3: What I see, what I see, I've had this sitting here for a while, and there's still a nice head on this. There's still maybe a couple of so sunburned heads on this. I mean, we've been talking for probably maybe 30 minutes or so on the second half, 20, 30 minutes. Uh, the appearance, it is very clear uh, <clears throat> for a pale ale. You can see through it, it. It's not like some of the other ones we have that's really dirty or cloudy looking you can see right through whatever you're looking at going to be pretty clear uh to i'll let aaron have his line later of what it looks like it's what he always says is aaron looks like beer there you go yes <laughs> it does <laughs> and actually for once i actually wait, get wait. a smell out of this believe it or not tim
0: no, no fantastic
3: um, can, I, can i do a fun
1: little fun little side note here so yes. J- jason who i've mentioned our owner and uh, uh founder at steel toe we were out in uh, at gabf in denver this maybe three or four years ago and uh we were at uh, I, I can't remember the name of the place I, a lot of people go there it's a little like german restaurant in uh, in denver and uh we had been drinking all this you know fatty stuff fad not fatty um but Rein you know, house? kind of what 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 was what was popular, and we went to this little German place, and we were, were drinking uh, Augustiner Pilsner, and uh, I looked at him and I was like, "This beer tastes like beer you know, <laughs> to, to your to your this uh, this beer it looks like beer," you know? It's, yeah, exactly. I
3: think that's like the Rhein House. Was it the Rhein House?
1: Rhein House. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I yeah.
3: only know that because I'm a diehard abs fan, and that's one of the advertisers for a podcast I listen to. So yeah, no, it's it. it, it that's a great place. Is it off? Check it yeah. out when I can get back
2: to it. Yeah, do it. do it. So, you know, tacking on to what JT said is all very accurate. Um, and it's also a, it's a nice copper, golden copper yeah. color, which yeah, is that's, something that's that he weird, hadn't mentioned so. was the color. Um, cool. As he said, with, with it being 30 minutes or so that it's been sitting here, I'm still getting some release of bubbles coming up yeah. through the beer, um, which is, you know, was nice um but uh yeah so other than that he pretty well nailed the appearance side of it and since jt can smell uh he'll let him start with that this time
3: oh i can smell it just trying to describe what i smell is going to be the hard part uh dank is dank a right word i like it's a very pleasant smell like it's pungent but i enjoy it if that makes sense
1: Sure. You guys all get the, these cans are from—is it the November 17th can? Yes.
0: So, yeah. Yes. Yeah. The 1117.
2: Um, yeah. I I preface a lot of what I say with I could be totally wrong, and <laughs> once again I could be totally wrong here. But there's something. There's some kind of if you get a big deep whiff of it. There's some kind of sweetness.
0: It's, that, uh, it's that, that kind of orange candy or, orange candied orange type of thing that Neil yeah, was maybe, about. That's what I'm getting, yep. yeah. I yeah, definitely I get, that.
2: get that if I get a, a nice full nose full of it. It's, uh, that sweetness is, is definitely in there.
1: I, I always say that you, you can't be wrong in what you're smelling and tasting because you're the only one that can smell and t- taste what you're smelling and tasting. You so however me. you... No, no,
0: but M- no, Michael, but, Michael, that's fine. <laughs> JT is often wrong, though, so it's okay to, get, to just tell him he's wrong.
1: <laughs> I so, usually so, can't so, smell, so, so, yeah. so yeah. No, no, I mean, if, if if you started out and he said, you know, this smells roasty and coffee-like or something, I I may have had issue with it. <laughs> but, you know, ultimately, whatever whatever you're smelling, just just run with it. You know, it's it's mm-hmm. what you got.
3: I'm just happy this is the first podcast we've done that I can actually smell something. So
2: it's been a while for sure. Yeah. It's- but, yeah, pleasant smell, that little bit of a sweet yeah. aroma in it. Um,
0: yeah, it's good. Yeah, I, 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 I've I always loved this. You know, you'd mentioned earlier it's not like it's loaded up with, with, with uh, C60, so it's not, you know, this caramel bomb type of thing that some of those beers are, but at the same time, it's not just this straight-up pale malt, pale-looking, you know, almost sickly, letting all the hops do the heavy lifting in the beer
1: <laughs> like like you you I think, do you... i i, I think ahead. there's there's like a there's uh there's like a good way to use like caramel malts and munich malts and stuff and that's how sierra nevada and i mean to shoot to shoot uses them in a, in a good way you know there's a there's a good way to use them and then there's the overuse of crystallized malts that mm-hmm. create this unpleasant sweetness that's not pleasantly sweet you know and it it takes it takes away it in in this type of beer no i mean you know in in different types of beer but in this type of beer you don't want that so i mean you know we're we're staying away from that thing but there is some malt you know i mean there's there's a character of malt that balances it that gives it a backbone you know it's not um i mean it's definitely hoppy and it's Uh, It's bitter, but it's an IPA. You know, I mean, it 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 is. I I say it it is exactly what it should be, if if I'm being you know completely frank about it. I mean, I think this beer is exactly what it is meant to be. Uh, It's a seven percent alcohol, seventy seven IBUs, West Coast American IPA. It's gold. It's got a big punch of like 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 you said, kind of that sweet marmalady, orangey citrus, kind of that classic American, old school interpreted in like i said kind of the post everybody getting away from caramelized malts in an overhanded use yeah
0: Um, where it was almost like figs and honey like (laughs) that type of yeah right but
1: like but like but like masking like dead old hops you know yeah
0: yeah right right (laughs) like like i it's like a charcuterie plate with like cheese and raisins on it uh, <laughs> no, absolutely. All right. Well, let's go ahead and, and kind of do that. Oh, can I, can Neil. I, Neil,
4: can I
2: share my opinion on it?
0: Yeah. Sure, absolutely. No, no.
2: Um, hey, uh, uh, <laughs> uh, I walked right into that
0: one. This is why Good. I said no. Did, how did you guys not see this coming? Uh, Neil, do you have a legitimate opinion you'd like to share uh, on the uh, dude, aroma dude, or appearance?
4: I, I, do, I do want to share. Great IPA, I, I, I love it. I, I think everything you guys were saying, dead on. Um, like just super drinkable IPA. Um, you know, I, I, I think that is what, what what people are looking for in modern IPAs. Um, I am not a fan of the old school over caramelized, to like just like overly malty IPAs. Um, I, I think you guys have hit on kind of like a, kind of an a intermediate between like that old school and new school, which, which is like, sometimes can be too citrusy. Um, you guys have hit on like a, just a very drinkable IPA. And, and, you know, one of the things I always say is that like IPA is like 50% of the, of, uh, of craft beer sales these, these days. And like so many consumers confuse IPA with craft beer, whether that's good or bad. You know that's not for us to decide, but that's uh, what 48. that's what consumers think of. And you guys have like kind of like delivered a, a beer that delivers uh, uh, what 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 consumers these days are looking for.
5: Yep.
0: Well, let's yeah. let's go ahead, Aaron JT. Uh, taste, mouthfeel, finish, kind of. Aaron's cracking another one apparently. Which I
3: I could say this is one of the few beers that we've had that I have a different taste, mouthfeel, and finish throughout the whole process. It starts off a little sweeter. Then it gets kind of malty in the middle, and then it finishes really dry. Mm. Uh, and I enjoy all all bits of it, but definitely dryness is definitely something I'm glad I've got a little bit of water here with me. It's dry, and I, I mean that in the most positive way because I'm a dry wine guy when I drink wine. Like, dry is fine. I know some people don't like dry, and I'm sorry for you, probably hate bacon too. Uh, but yeah. <clears throat> It's it's we've had a lot of beers that have just been consistently the same taste all the way through. This one I get different flavors throughout the entire way, and I actually kind of like it. It's different, but it's still kind of familiar, if that makes sense. But yeah, I really, it's I like it. It's it's not like I'm. It's nothing like I've drank before, and
1: I definitely want to drink another.
0: Yeah, there's there's a sweet perception, but it's still very well attenuated.
1: Yes, um, it's very well attenuated. Yeah, we, we yeah, like we, it dry. And we like what, our beers to finish nice and dry.
0: What, is it, yeah. what does it finish at? Uh, one
1: nine.
0: Okay.
2: It finishes at
1: my mouth. One, what, one, one eight, <laughs> what? One eight to two? One eight
0: yeah, to two points. Yeah. Yeah no, I, yeah. no, you're not getting the exact same finishing gravity every single time, Michael.
1: <laughs> I, have, I, have, I have a range of one tenth. Is that, yeah, you know, I know that, that. No, that's yeah. that's
0: really that. Trust yeah. me, a, a trader. Yeah. I think was usually for like for us novices. Like two can four, you explain it to it me, me like what the 100.
1: hell you were just
3: talking about?
1: It's I mean, so so the percent, So I, I and I was, so I was speaking to Tim there and kind of play So it's Plato terms, but okay. as like a per, so as as a percentage of attenuation. So the the hundred percent of uh, of sugars that are available for fermentation okay. that can make alcohol. Uh, we ferment about 86 to 87% of them. So that that residual, like 13% of, of residual sugars are what give you the presence of sweetness. Okay, um, okay. okay, So that, that's kind of like the, that's attenuation. But I, I was speaking in terms of like gravity, which is like the actual number of like dissolved sugar or, you know, I don't just sh- try to speak in terms. It starts it- at a number up here. Yeah, It it's, starts it's, at a number up here and it finishes at a number down here. And then that percentage is what I'm now talking about.
0: Yeah. It's, okay, it's, it's a scale. So yeah, no. It,
1: it, yeah. Yeah. Do you want to keep Any, anything, the scale I mean,
3: compact then? Or do you want the scale to kind of fluctuate a little bit?
1: No, we want it to be the same every time. I mean, okay, we, want okay. the start, we want the starting gravity to be the same and the finishing gravity to be the same. And that, that's a, that's a product of the way that we mash the beer, the way that we process the beer through the brew house, the yeast that we're using. So the the process the process of all, all of that is giving us a reliable uh, number to start and a reliable number to finish, so that we have a consistent alcohol every time.
3: Gotcha. So, okay, okay, that makes sense. And it,
1: I mean, any anything that's anything that's above eighty five percent attenuation as a percentage is going to be I mean the perception is going to be dry. And then I mean you add in hops that are bitter and and lend some significant dryness on the palate. I mean that's certainly going to lend that as well. And, and a lot of, a lot of all that perception is, a lot of it is perception and then a lot of it is you know, the actual numbers. So mm-hmm.
2: yeah. So uh, then this this finishes more like the divided sky mm-hmm. that we had the dry um, yeah. which is from Four Hands, a Rye IPA that we we did a couple of weeks ago. God, Rye um,
5: IPAs are awesome. Finish
2: finishes more like that, which I really like. I, I like JT on the dry side of wines and everything else. Um, there is that bit of bitterness in this, but because it gets cut by that sweetness a little bit, it's not. Even though it's seventy seven IBU, I think you said it's not.
5: Yep.
2: It's not super bitter. Um, is there probably sound like an idiot here maybe is there any mo- there's no mosaic in this is there okay there, I, there I, is I, not
1: sorry i'm like I, I,
2: no no i yeah <laughs> i mean for the people out there she's yeah, shaking I'm his head no. mo- moving um, my
1: head like people people see me yeah
2: yeah and I, and I ask that because it's i've started to pick up on that that specific flavor of mosaic when i get beers that have that in it um and i'm not you know, maybe the biggest fan of that all the time, uh, personally. But uh, this, I was like, this is not that really piney, you know, heavy punch in the face bitterness that I seem to have in beers that have that in it most of the time.
3: Mosaic so. is good, but it seems to be overdone.
1: I think that it can be overdone. I think if you use mosaic well, uh, it is a fantastic hop. I mean, I I, I love mosaic. I think it's a, a absolutely gorgeous hop. We we use a lot of it in our session IPA. But I think the, the key is, and here, here's something like from a hop perspective and kind of my perspective on hops, see what, what Neil thinks and, and Tim and you guys. But my perspective is, so the, there are hop, hop names, you know, these varieties of hops. There's, there's hundreds of them, um, probably thousands of them at this point. Um, you know, my, my, my job as a brewer is not necessarily to highlight mosaic or name whatever hop. My job is to create a beer that is unique to our brewery that tastes fantastic and it represents the flavors and aromas that I want it to represent. So for the, for every single one of our beers, there is a blend of hops and whether that's, you know, one or two or five and a percentage of each of those hops used in a way to get the ending characteristic that we, We want out of those hops that's what i think my my job as a brewer not just in hops in mall in in all of our ingredients is to take the raw ingredients put them together in a way that creates something that is wholly unique to what we do so that if i told you i mean i could tell you all the ingredients that are in this but the way that we do it is going to make it unique is going to make it unique to our, our processes unique to our specific blend of hops when we add them how we add them um that that's what i that's how i kind of view all of that so you know when 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 you're you know you're talking about mosaic i love mosaic as a hop i think it works really well in certain blends but as a single hop i think it lacks i i I don't think that it is I i don't think that it reaches its full potential as a hop by being showcased as a single hop and i and i feel that way about most hops um so You know, there there was this whole trend or this whole change in hops where everything kind of went out of the USDA breeding program and getting into super nerd stuff here. But it went into all this privatization of like creating new hop varieties. And when that happened, everybody really jumped on this bandwagon of promoting hops by name and promoting like Citra, Mosaic, Simcoe, name whatever, Equinot, Strata, name the new hop variety that everybody's excited about. I often am like, I don't really give a shit. Like I want to know how that hop is going to present and I want to blend it with things that are going to give me what I want it to do. So I don't, I don't know. That's, that's my perspective. But anyway, <laughs> I'm just jumping. In. That's my perspective.
0: No, I, 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 man, I am with you. Like I've said on, on this podcast that I have a love hate relationship with mosaic. You know, certainly there's some hops, you know, I, I've mentioned before there's certain hops like citra. You could throw citra at, at, you know, a can of dog food and it would improve it. Like, they're, like, they're, like people are going to buy it anyway. Like okay. there's certain things that you can do, but, but man, I, if you knew how many times I changed the hops um, and the head brewer before me and probably the head brewer after me and, and Trader – the number of times, that, like that used to have no CTZ and had a ton of Galaxy, and now it has no Galaxy and a ton of CTZ, and those hops aren't similar in any way, shape, or form, but the yeah. way you kind of uh, slowly kind of make adjustments or what you're really trying to highlight, you know, if I can step up to Citra, I can back off the Galaxy, and some of that's just by nature of what do we have on, on contract, and the fact that Galaxy was like 44 bucks a pound on the... Freaking uh, secondary market, and you know, like some of those other things, but I don't think people notice that because Trader was still kind of Trader, still Trader, because there's so many other things. Because you know, there are five, six different hops in there, and again, to your point of how we do how we make that, but you could give, and I know this because we've uh, you know, we actually brewed another brewery's beer, uh, you give three breweries the same recipe. Same instructions from start to finish, and you're still going to end up with three different beers. Yep. Um, yep. You know that that's one of the things that's amazing to me about some of these larger, you know, national larger regionals that that have, uh, you know, three or four different facilities that they're able to to push out consistent product. But the other thing is is, uh, exactly what you said that making a beer is I'm you're making uh, steel toe size seven. You're not making steel toe cascade IPA, right? You know it's right, and and I, and I think that that's one of the things that's been frustrating is that, uh, you know all these name brand, uh, it, Gucci hops. You know what I mean? Like it's it's all about <laughs> it's all about uh hashtag Gucci hops. yeah yeah, um (laughs) ah shit yeah i'm yeah i'm claiming that trademark right now gucci hops uh it's on on record wac but but it really it really is kind of that and that's one of again it's one of the things one of the reasons why uh uh i love you and i love steel toe um is that mentality is is man right on and neil i'm sure deschutes has played around with 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 hops, you know, you you drive more consistency actually by playing around with hops because, you know, you have seasonal variation in year to year and, and you know, this year's Mosaic isn't going to taste anything like last year's Mosaic. But the more you kind of blend, the more you drive, you know, not muddy it up, but you blend to a good consistent to get to, to Michael's point, you get to the flavor profile I'm looking for, not to, yeah. you know.
4: Yeah, I mean, we have actually shied away from listing the hops, the hop varietals on our packaging because it might change. And that doesn't mean that the taste profile is going to change. That means that the, the, the brewers are, are tweaking the recipe to deliver the, the taste profile that we want. And, you know, if, if you promise that to consumers that you're using certain hop varietals um, then you, you, you're you you're kind of pigeonholing your your place in how you brew that beer, and to me, you know, the brewer's job is to let ingredients sing, you know, let let certain hot varieties sing, let let those those taste profiles come through, and you know, like I actually I, you know, Michael, what, one of the questions I asked you earlier was, you know, like what kind of what what hot varietals are you using in this beer? I fully expected you to say Strata because I'm I'm sensing that that candied orange, that kind of like fruit punchy uh, taste profile. And when you didn't say that, I was surprised um, because that's a that's a hot varietal that we're playing around with. We're, we're launching a beer called Squeezy Rider here uh, in a few months that like <laughs> there's that, that,
0: that breaking that, news. Uh, breaking
4: news. <laughs> it's like that kind of. Uh, the, yeah. Yeah. Um, But I was surprised that you didn't say that because um, that's what you're delivering through this. But it it, it, like it doesn't matter what hot varietal you're using as long as you're letting that taste profile come through, you know, that that's your job as a brewer. And, and, um, you know, if, if you're getting too convoluted with too many hot varietals and like people can't like kind of pick up on it, then you're not you're not doing your job. Um, I mean, it's it's the same as a chef. I mean, a chef, the, it, your job is to let the ingredients come through. It's not about like what you do. It's 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 what the ingredients do.
0: It's it, and to Michael's point earlier too uh, about flexibility. You have more flexibility when you're not tied into what you've kind of already said to people, right?
1: Yeah. Yeah, I, th- I think the biggest thing and kind of flexibility, like we're trying to be flexible, but. At the same time, like, we, we're, we're tweaking all the time and not in a tweaking to be like, you know, I, I think there's a way to, if you're not always, if you're not constantly trying to improve, then mm-hmm. you should stop doing what you're doing.
5: Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. Um, yeah. But to that end, like, we're not trying to change it because we don't think it's good. We're trying to change it to make it a better version of itself. Yes. Use, using the things that we have available to us. And whether that's a really, like, whether that's a broad process change or an ingredient change or a, you know, there's all kinds of different things we can do. But, but ultimately, I mean, we're, just, we're trying to make the beers the best representations of what they are, you know. And, and that, that takes adjusting and it takes uh, accounting for certain things and it takes really specific evaluation of it and making sure that the beers are exactly what you want them to be you know, time and time again. So
0: like when you get a new piece of equipment, like a centrifuge, uh, it's amazing how just something like that makes you taste that, like experience that beer differently. <laughs> and so now you, you, you go back to and, and adjust for that.
1: For sure. So we do it. I
5: mean, I'm so old <laughs> I'm
4: limit that at 10 seconds.
1: <laughs> <laughs> nine, nine seconds cut <laughs> yeah oh
2: goodness well it's we probably it's, it's
1: crazy tim yeah. i mean you 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 know with the centrifuge i mean when we were you know when we were uh getting ours up and running i mean we came and and talked with you and i yeah. it, it changed my it changed my whole perception of what our beers were and how they i mean we we made tons i mean it to go on I, we made tons of adjustments minute but we made adjustments to make the beers what we wanted them to be yeah around new equipment you know around because they 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 were different you know we, we were able to make adjustments for the good you know and and you know i think i think what i what i always want to make sure that people know is that you know we're always making adjustments to make things like i said better versions of themselves like we're always trying to adjust for the good there's like the the old um It's not old, but, but like, the idea of of Kaizen, like, under, like, Japanese production, you know, philosophy and, like, Six Sigma and that kind of shit. But it's, like, that Kaizen mentality is that, like, constant improvement. If you're constantly improving your processes, your products, your end results, you're constantly doing that and evaluating things, then you're constantly working toward making things better versions of themselves, you know? So... That's what we're doing. Oh, absolutely, but I mean, back back to size seven. I don't, you know, it's. <laughs> 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 I, I think, like I said, I think size seven is exactly what size seven is supposed to be, and it is. Uh, it's consistent, and it hits all the right notes, and it is. Um, it, it, it's, it, it's 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 a nouveau classic. You know, it it, it hits in in this market. It. I mean, we're, we're tiny. I mean, we're in the Twin Cities metro area, you know, but it, it hits the notes for a beer that are exactly what this beer is. It's, it's a hoppy West Coast, balanced, drinkable, but still bitter and still, you know, it, it, it hits everything that it's supposed to be. And, and um, you know, that's what I hope every time, you know, and I and, I, and uh, I, I don't hope I make sure that the processes are in place to make sure it happens.
2: <laughs> uh, no man. As I... a guy who lives on the West Coast, I approve that message.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I approve of this message. Yes. No, I think it, you know. I think you're going back, like where Neil was saying. You know, like a, a brewer's brewery. Like a lot of that stuff just comes from experience. It comes from the idea of what the, you know, what what is this brewery? What is this beer? you know, this is steel toe size seven and steel toe size seven is, is this beer. And, um, so we're, we're, we're not trying to, uh, make it something that it's not, you know, we're not trying to, you know, we'll, we'll do that with seasonals and experimental stuff and we'll do all that. But size seven is exactly what it's supposed to be.
4: Michael, let's do a Deschutes, uh, steel
1: toe collab. What do you think? Yeah, I'm on board, man. I've I've always, I mean, I'm I'm all I've. I mean, I, I, did I say that fast enough? No, I, I mean, I, I've always <laughs> been a big fan kind of the shoots. is one of those breweries. You know, I mean, there's there's a handful of breweries um, that I think have always been really consistent in what they do, and kind of what you were saying about like you know, and I, I think I said leaning leaning into your inability to be good at marketing, you know, but you know, I I think that the shoots. Deschutes has always been really good at being exactly what I expect Deschutes to be. Yep. The beers are super high quality. They're super consistent. And when they first, you know, when they came into the Minnesota market, they, they hit the, uh, uh, another bar, like another threshold of like, this is what, if you want to be a high caliber regional craft brewery, that's making beer and selling it miles away from where you are, but still has a, foothold and kind of what they do i feel like deschutes hits that mark they they hit that mark from the very beginning you know it's it you know exactly what you're getting you're getting this little taste of the pacific northwest you know you you, the beers are are super high quality and i mean everybody i've ever worked with or associated with with deschutes has always been great so awesome you know it's a yeah dude let's make it happen do it Breaking news! (laughs) Breaking
5: (laughs) breaking news!
0: Yeah, I love I love it because Deschutes is definitely one of those breweries that kind of forces everyone in Minnesota to be better. When you know, when Minnesota kind of launches a craft brew scene, it was really just trying to. A lot of it was just really trying to copy what was going on on the West Coast, Uh, and so when you have one of those good uh, West Coast regional breweries come in, it it makes you be a whole lot better. But man, Michael, your beard traveled really well uh yes, yes to to Washington, and Oregon and, and and Iowa. And that's that's awesome because there have been a lot of beers that we've had to kind of ship back and forth with this that have not
5: yeah. <laughs> necessarily
0: traveled well. Uh, so I think that's a that's a huge you know it doesn't seem like it's a big, big it's a huge testament that how well uh you know I could ship it to these guys and they're all raving about it. Speak, yeah. Speaking
1: speaking uh, I appreciate it. It's it's humbling. And I mean we're you know it's it's like those things. It's it's like uh you know, I, I, I never set out to like win awards, but I but I love winning the respect of people that I respect in the industry, you know, and, um, you know, also awesome nails. Always... <laughs> 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 it's it's a, cool. it's always humbling to hear people say that, you know, they they like the beer that we make. So <laughs> uh,
2: and, and speaking of, of shipping, well, we probably need to start wrapping this thing up as we've kept you guys plenty long here. Yeah. Um, but I think we oh. need to to lay down some uh, some wagers on oh, yeah. this uh, riot bowl tomorrow. Oh, I, and I think I think we do some some crossovers here. I think maybe Michael and I do a Midwest West Coast wager of uh, shipping some beers to each other, and uh, yeah. Tim and Tim and Neil. Yeah. yeah, you guys can lay it down. Oh yeah. Um, you know that that way. Uh, everybody can kind of figure out what they want, and then just so we don't leave JT out, who the losers each have to send something to JT.
3: I'm fine with that.
5: <laughs> <laughs> you and I. <laughs> so I, I think that's great. Yeah,
3: you nice.
2: know, so when whoever wins or loses here, and I don't, I don't think uh, um, it's any question whose side is on whose side here. uh after all the uh tomfoolery that's been going on yes
3: okay then
2: so um you know we'll we'll reconvene or we'll talk about it after the fact here of what what i need to go find or where you guys can ship me or whatever and vice versa but uh it's been really really good
4: aaron here's the deal yeah isu won their super bowl over ut
2: I mean. Oh, I thought we played Iowa all this time. Yeah, that's a, that, that's I, a yeah I thought that was. A that's what we always get accused state. of yeah. being our super. Nobody Bowl. Nobody
4: cares about the Hawkeyes anymore. I mean, that's, that's, that's true. Not. You guys uh, won your Super Bowl uh, last week. West Virginia is going to like you know. I mean, we're rested. We're good. Let's well, no, you're rested. rested.
1: I think we're, <laughs> we're what's good. The, what what's the the i Iowa State. Uh, a 102-year drought for playing in a conference championship game? Is that what I read? Huh. Yeah.
2: yeah. That sounds yeah.
1: good. Right. So, so I, I, feel, I feel like that's the minimum payback to you guys blown up our season two years ago that yeah. I feel like West Virginia is yeah. just going to return the favor. You know, yeah. we're going to be like, hey, you guys want to yeah. play in the conference championship? I, I,
2: you've got to understand, and, and, though,
1: dude,
2: the, for us to not make though, the is that You're going to
1: play in the conference championship either way, right? Yeah, well,
2: yeah. Almost. Well, if for yeah. us to not make the championship, Kansas has to beat Texas.
1: <laughs> let's and throw down it. on that game too Str- stranger,
0: <laughs> things uh, stranger things have happened uh things have
1: happened yeah <laughs> well, but I don't, I don't
0: i don't see that Less miles is just gonna let's be sitting on the side sidelines oh. chewing as much grass as he can and uh sam ellinger is gonna be so angry and go off on him i think yeah and, uh, I have heard though, if I, if I can
1: do this, like all day, just oh, yeah, like, we all, can all they can
0: all horns down. I think we're all we're all on board with that. I, yeah, I don't
4: no think one can, can go G. like you know. That, that's that, that's that's hard thing. You guys are copying off of us.
0: Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. You're the originators of like, horns
2: down, huh? Right? Yeah. It's it's literally in we're, OU's emblem. If you look yeah. at OU's emblem, it's inside the the O where the U meets. Ah. Uh, yeah. Well. The, but,
4: the, I'll, let, I'll, I'll Please continue here.
2: But uh, I will say this, and I wish you guys all the luck in the world at, at keeping your coach. He seems like a good one. I know he's tied to some other job <laughs> openings right now. We have been through that for the last, like, five years. Every year, it's Matt Campbell's going somewhere. And now you guys are getting it. Neil Brown is going to South Carolina. All that BS He's talk. Stayed.
0: He's stayed. He's, um, he seems like a great guy. Seriously. Uh,
2: yeah, he seems like a good dude. He's obviously a good coach. I hope he stays because a good competitive riot bowl is always a good time. Um, so just I don't like know. This, I mean, two years I, ago it wasn't competitive, but it was a good time. Well, I mean, they couldn't stop <laughs> Montgomery. And they're not going to stop Brees Hall tomorrow. So. <laughs> I mean.
4: I just, just
3: you know what? West Virginia has never lost to you and I, though.
4: Michael, just remain silent. This is cool. We're gonna, we're going to prove it on the field. It's good. It's good. <laughs> I,
1: have, I have nothing more to say. Nothing I more to say. Uh, nothing uh, more to say. I agree. No.
2: Well, too bad because I'm going to ask you to to say at least a couple more things. In that, I want to give you both, um, you know, a couple of seconds to tell people what's new, what's happening you know, where they can find you. Um, so if you got anything you want to plug here real quick before we we get out of here, uh, maybe, Neil, we'll go ahead and start with you.
0: Yeah, maybe maybe any, like, potential podcast you're planning on sponsoring here in the near future, you know, anything you want <laughs> <laughs> to... Any
4: announcements? To uh, I, guys, I need to know the cost per thousand. <laughs> 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 what listeners do you really have? You know? Are we measuring these in like?
0: Uh, we have dozens. Dozens. Dozens, dozens of <laughs> listeners. Yeah. That's Ten, right. Tens of listeners. Yeah. <laughs> uh, okay. That's well, great. you know what? If, if we'd have a better hype man, Neil,
4: I <laughs> can help you with that.
0: Yeah, we're, we're looking for some viral marketing here.
4: Yeah. Can we <laughs> viral when, right when,
0: now? when the best push we got
2: from Neil was, well, I guess I'm going to listen to this bull- <laughs> one time on Twitter. <laughs> uh,
4: all right. I honest, will see uh, respond to your, your bullshit with John Denver in the background <laughs> God, God. just pause here um, go Mountaineers eat shit pit <laughs> fuck you Iowa State <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, Big 12 is the best conference in the USA I'll
2: leave it alright that's, that's all fair Michael <laughs> Anything to say before we get out of here?
1: Can I just say ditto? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'm, I'm, all, I'm all for anyone that says eat shit pit, and I'm from <laughs> Pittsburgh, but I'm a mountaineer. tried and true. So, WVU. Dude, I can't, I can't drink a beer with you. Yeah, it's all good. Yeah, no, yeah, I, I, I
0: was going to say, I'm, I'm sad you and I aren't down at a tailgate. Tomorrow morning uh, uh, for this one.
3: Yeah, I, I am too. So Mike can go drink at the bar by himself while you sleep.
2: <laughs> yeah, exactly. Because he's "quote unquote" sick. Yeah. <laughs> so. All right. Well, uh, appreciate you guys a bunch, Neil. Thanks again for coming on, Michael. Pleasure to have you on. Um, yeah. Again, we'll we'll exactly. be happy to do it again another time. Um, I'm gonna i don't know tim i don't know if we can maybe get this edited and out you know asap
0: yeah we'll see what we can do you know because so
2: we can have it for tomorrow um but if that happens i want to plug uh our crossover event that we're doing next weekend with our friends from united we drink uh podcast there we're going to do a fundraiser a live stream on twitch uh podcast between all six of us. Um, to raise money for Feeding America. So if you happen to listen to this in the morning, that's going to start at, uh, I believe it is 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. West Coast time. Um, Donate, help feed a family. Um, It's important to all of us guys that are involved. and uh, So hopefully if if we get this out in time, you'll hear that. And uh, you can donate, I believe, through the 14th is the date we've set on that. Um, And we'll put it all over Twitter and everything else. So um, we really appreciate, again, uh, Michael, Neil, thanks so much again for coming. And uh, that has been this episode of the greatest beer podcast in the known universe, Bitter Units.